Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And hello, everybody. Welcome back to another great episode. We you all, I'm reporting live from Miami from our Brand Week event. And today we have a really cool guest, kind of my nemesis, I'm joking. Um, we have the great Emmy Lederman, who is one of our Adweek agencies reporters, and she covers creator economy and all the above. And today we're just getting into social media, what's going on. There's threads, there's B-Real, there's B-Fake, I-E-O-U, like there's so many things with social media. So we're breaking it all down. We're talking about creators. We're talking about the state of the creator economy, everything between. So if you like social media, if you like creators, if you just want to hang out, this is the episode for you. So grab a seat, grab a snack, and let's get into today's episode with Emmy. What's up, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Emmy, welcome to the show. So glad to have you. How are you? Um, I'm doing fine. How are you? You know, good. It's brand week. You know, we're just here hanging out. Is this like, are we doing it or did we start? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You were just, you didn't like warn me. You just started talking to me. I just like didn't know if this was a real or not. Okay. Are we, are we off to a bad start? No, you're fine. Um, but before we get started, Everybody who comes on here has to do the question, what the term young influentials means to them. What does the term young influentials mean to me? Um, I think it. Oh, my God. Why did you like blindside me with this question? It's not hard. Well, I just feel like I need to say something unique or else I won't be able to sleep at night. So You don't have to. Okay. I just think it's someone who gives other people the ability to be outspoken, whether it's in the workplace or personally, and the idea of also someone who like opens up new opportunities for, for those who may not have necessarily been given them in the first place. Oh, come on. A perfect answer. Look at her. I don't know where I pulled that from, but <laughs> I hope that sounded okay. It's giving I rehearsed. <laughs> um, it's giving you did not give me a single talking point for this episode. And then when I asked if you had any, you said, why are you so nervous? 
which I feel like is text. I feel like that's just textbook gaslighting. Not that. Me never. Never. <laughs> um, anywho, backtrack us to like what you do here. Like, what do you cover? What is your beat? Like, what's your thing? So I think that I'm a little bit all over the place because I tend to just write about things that interest me across the advertising and marketing space and a lot of a lot of times just trying to find like strong cultural connections um, and social media connections. But I would say I write a lot about the creator economy, DEI in advertising, and something that definitely interests me is like workplace culture and morale and I think it's cool and inspiring, I would say, that Gen Z is that this generation that really is interested in dismantling corporate structures and is saying, I don't need to like earn the right to have respect or earn the right to have um, boundaries at work. It's something that I inherently should be given and just kind of advocating for themselves. And that's something that I've tried to cover closely. Come on. And, like, have has there been, like, a pieces, whether it's been, like, DI or workplace-related, that you're really, like, proud of, um, that you think really kind of like landed the mark for you lately? Um, I think that I recently did a story about a portfolio school. So if anyone's, like, not familiar, for people who either do or don't study to become to work in advertising undergrad, they can go to a portfolio school, which is just a way to like build a body of work so that you can present it to like your first job. And there were a bunch of students at this one school in Chicago that got completely ghosted by the administrative staff. They were out of money. They like wasted their time at the school where they never even got a degree. And there was just a lot of um, scamming behavior going on. So that was a story that I worked on for a few months, like I think almost six months, and talked to a bunch of professors and students. I had like 12 sources. And it was just rewarding to be able to write a story that I felt like was actually impactful and helpful in like people's lives that maybe were down on their luck. Oh, that's crazy. Um, Wow, yeah. We don't do swiper and swiping here on this show. But um, outside of that, like, how did you get to the? I feel like people listen to her like, girl, you're only like 12. How did you get here? Like, did you do internships? Like, kind of, how did you come about? Um, I feel like I always just knew that I wanted to be a reporter. Like, my older brother, um, is who's 15 months older than me, is a journalist. And he always says that, like, I copied him. But I feel like that's kind of <laughs> toxic. So I don't agree with that. But... I was on my school newspaper, like I was like editor of my school newspaper in middle school and high school and college. Oh, a triple threat! It was a triple. It was a triple threat moment, and I, everyone probably thought I was like nerdy, but I thought it was fun, and I was never into sports, and like also wasn't like a theater kid. I know you were, but oh. not everyone can be like that, I guess. Oh, um, so I just felt like I need to find my groove in something, like always liked writing. So I think I had this like early commitment. And then um, in college, did the paper and had like one internship at 
I guess it was like the Daily News office, the New York Daily News, but it was a lot of articles for that were kind of just like SEO based. And I literally wrote articles that were like, here are 10 reasons why your cat's meowing at you. And like, (laughs) here here are like eight tips on how to take your infant on a plane. And I'm like, this does not apply to my life, but I guess I need this to like be successful, question mark. Um, And so that's kind of how I got started. I feel like I started working at Adweek. Well, I did start working at Adweek as an intern during the pandemic. And I was kind of like perhaps unprepared, but I was just charming during my interview, obviously. And I just got the job. And then ever since then, I've been like, okay, I really like writing about DEI and business culture through a business lens. So here I am today sitting with you. Are you inspired? I'm so inspired. But like, what about those who, because I feel like I was one of those who, I never got the internships. I always applied, never was always was denied but do you feel like now they're necessary because i feel like now we have people who like will do blogs or content creation and stuff to really get the attention of the brands and companies they want to work for do you feel like internships are still necessary in college or do you feel like they're kind of just like a nice to have why would they not be necessary like well, like going <laughs> no because like some people can't get some people can't get internships because they're working in the summer or oh stuff like- well I feel like I feel like they're always necessary but the point is like I think paid internships are very unethical and even for me when I was like had an unpaid internship not to point fingers <laughs> I. <laughs> It was really stressful because I wanted to prove myself, but I also had to be a fucking babysitter, and I hate kids. But, like, that was the only job I could find the summer of COVID. So I was, like, my morale was just shot ever after having to, like, run around with kids. And obviously, if I got paid at that employer, I would have been able to just, like, prove myself, I think, even more and commit even more to the job. Um So I think that it isn't a matter – like, I don't think internships should go away because it also just helps people understand, like, do I even enjoy this career? Do I see myself even, like, pursuing it in the long run? So um, I think the matter is making it more more ethical and inclusive inclusive rather than just getting rid of it. But what are your thoughts? No, because now that I'm taking it back, like, I need to redact a statement – I did do, so our high school, we did like a day where we could um, volunteer and do different day internships. And I remember I did one that was like, the only journalism one was like sports journalism, go sports. Um, we know did not sports. like Did not like the vibe. Like it, I was more, I've always been the e-news person. And so I was like, this is not it. But then when I went to college and grad school, like I never did internships, but I always volunteer at like the film festivals. The fashion weeks, like, I remember um, when I was at Emerson, like, I also kids don't do this, but, you know, it is what it is. I would skip class to, like, come here to do, like... Like, to this podcast studio? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, to, like, New York. You literally pointed, like, you were talking about here, here. Like, surprise. I just knew what this room was. But, no, I would come to New York and do, like, the fashion weeks and, like, blog about it and do stuff like that. So I found alternatives to do it that way. So I feel like now a lot of people are like, I don't want to do that. That's a lot of work. And looking back on it, I honestly don't know how I balance that. Like, I would be 
uploading my assignments to class like on an Amtrak to New York or at an event on a carpet or something I was volunteering at. Like looking back at it now, like that is not healthy because you're going from class all day to volunteering and working events and stuff to get, so it's honestly, yeah, no. But I agree. I think doing internships that aren't paid doesn't make sense. Like, Yeah, and I f- also feel like, well, because if you were paid for your internship, you had like a study internship in your area that was paid and also had class, like it would probably be a lot more manageable, right? Or if you did it like all summer. Yeah, like I feel like, yeah, if, it, if I was able to, because like for me, I had to work in the summer. So it's like I couldn't do an unpaid inter- – I didn't have the luxury of doing, like, an unpaid internship. So I had to look for opportunities that were during the year and stuff where I could, like, go volunteer, blah, 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 for, like, a few hours, then go to work at X, Y, and Z job, and then, like, go back to class. But summers were never – so I feel like we're now seeing more opportunities and stuff, like, open up where they're offering, like, stuff during the fall or whatever, or people are kind of just, like, making their own lane to get the experience that they need for stuff. Yeah, I think that – it's there is this mentality I feel like with older generations that are like I had to do this I had to go through this like you have to too and that's literally how we stop like stifle progress completely like I just I don't know I would never want to be it's like people with fucking student loans (laughs) like literally the worst person you know is like well I had to pay student loans like okay do you want to do you want a ham sandwich for that (laughs) No, but that's annoying. But I feel like now what I do like is people are like breaking in. I know there was like a huge thing like a while back where like a lot of actors and stuff were upset at creators and stuff. They're like, oh, it's not fair that we had to go through all these auditions and all these things. And now we're seeing TikTokers and other influencers just get these roles and get these things. I'm like, people, like, either way, there's more than one way to tie a cat. Is that... I don't know. Did you just not want to say the other one? Yeah. Yeah, it is a little violent. Yeah. But I feel like tie a cat isn't really yeah. better. Um, put a, there's more There's more than one way to... to Make a Taylor Swift heiress friendship bracelet. No, but isn't there another... Okay. <laughs> we, I'm not... I don't endorse that one. No, I'm just kidding. She She's cool. But I, I'm just saying like the actual figure of speech. Yeah, where it's like there's more than one way to enter a door or like... Yeah. Yeah. Should I look it up? Is that no, okay? It's no, it's going to bother me if okay. I don't look it up. Give us a minute, people, as she Googles. <laughs> There's more than one way to mm, a cat. Um, I don't think there's a – I actually do not think that there's an alternative, an official alternative to that. So are we going to make it – the Eras tour? Yeah, we'll do the Eras tour. I feel like we can do better, but whatever. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll debrief. We'll table that. We'll table that. (laughs) Um, But okay, now I want to get into, since you do cover creator economy and stuff, there's been so many changes amongst the creator landscape and also the platform space. Like, we have threads now. We have, like, Twitter's just, I'm sorry, Twitter's now X. There's so much going on. So, like, what is your feelings on threads and, like, where X is going and all that stuff. Well, I feel like I just get overwhelmed when there's a lot of social platforms. And I feel like that was the reason that I never downloaded Be Real because I was like, this is going to die in a few months. <laughs> and it did. So I think I was right. But anyway, I I don't know. I think that like something about with threads, I literally haven't downloaded it just because like 
I choose to like if something isn't on my phone that makes me feel like it doesn't exist and then that makes my life easier like that's when I deleted Snapchat I was like okay now I have so much more like brain capacity to think (laughs) care about like my own life and like things that are in front of me because I'm not seeing all this additional content that I feel like isn't serving me so I don't know I mean there probably is a lot more like educational and profound content on threads than Snapchat but like it just I think that there, it's going to be like increasingly difficult to get um, consumers or just like you know social media users to like get on a new platform and stick with it for the long run. That's how I felt with when I, I hate having to say X, formerly Twitter. Like with that when that whole thing went down, I was like, all right, I need a space to be because I feel like. Twitter was our space to, you know, where fandom, really community engagement, that was, like, the first place we saw where you could build community, make friends, whatever, whatever. I made so many, like, Twitter friends that, like, I maintained through college, like, back in the OG, like, 1D fandom days where, like, you would build community that way. Yeah, were you a Louis fan? No, I was always Zane Zane and Harry. Is anyone a Louis fan? I I literally... That's problematic. (laughs) I thought I couldn't. Okay, listen, 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 listen. I could have sworn that you, maybe it's just because you are always saying like kind of like crazy things, like controversial things. I thought that you were just like, guys, I'm a Louis (laughs) fan. And I remember thinking like, that's kind of cray, but no. No, I've always been Team Harry and Team Zane. Team Harry and Zane. Not not Niall. So I've. I've got into Nile now. Like I like the new album, and I probably will go to the tour when it comes next year. I didn't get tickets. Don't come for me. But rumor is Zane's about to announce his tour, and I need to save resources for that priority. Mm, so you've been on a budget lately. Yeah, I got to make sure. I mean, Nile is cool. He obviously is that singer songwriter, the nice one that. He's like the one, he's going to be that PTA parent that if you forgot snacks for the kids' bake sale, he's going to be like, oh, I have extras in my trunk and here's a sticky note. Just put your name on it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Just just put your name on it. Wow. That's so specific, but I can really (laughs) see it. (laughs) I just, I'm like, where do you come up with these like obscure um, predictions? And then who's the other? Oh, Liam. I did like that one song he did, Strip That Down. That was a good song. Um, I just don't know where he... I d- he just doesn't have a strong brand. It's just, yeah, it's just like, it's it's like, yeah, it's just, it's all over the place. But I feel like once he really hones in on who he is, post 1D, and stop doing it, like, based off of what he thinks going to sell. Like, I feel like Niall's like, I'm doing me. Harry's like, I'm going to do me. I'm going to wear my crazy outfits and everybody's going to love me. Like I'm going to be, but I feel like Liam's kind of like what's marketable. What does everybody think they want me to hear instead of like actually what he wants to do. Mm. Do you ever find yourself doing that? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know you don't. You're literally just constantly making a stream of TikToks and you just don't, I feel like you are kind of the pinnacle of not caring what people think of you. Yeah, you just gotta be Delulu. Be Delulu till your dreams come true, Lulu. Yes. <laughs> That's what I tell myself before uh, bed every like, night. Uh, what a way to go to bed. But speaking of threads, 
<laughs> okay, I guess I guess we're pivoting back to threads. We're pivoting back. I've literally never been on threads. Like, do you want me to have an opinion on it? Um, why haven't you been on threads? I told you I just can't be bothered to like download another thing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I will say I've never been on Be Real. I didn't download that because, like, for me, there's – my thing's like, if there's too many platforms, you're, it's quality over quantity. And I feel like a lot of times brands and specifically are like, oh, we have to be on Threads. We have to be on Be Real. We have to be on Blue Sky. We have to be on this. We have to be on that. And it's like – okay, but what makes sense for your brand and what makes sense for your community? Like, if you're someone who's a good storyteller, maybe Snapchat is the audience for you that can do more intimate stuff. If you're someone who has a lot of recipes or things of that nature, like maybe Pinterest, you don't have to be everywhere. And I feel like a lot of times, like, whether it's people or brands think that just because a new platform comes out, they have to be there and occupy that space. And it's cool to maybe, like, test it out, but you don't have to be there if it doesn't make sense. And also... It, if you're you're gonna wear yourself out with resources, like you can't fully engage with a community if you're everywhere. It's like if you're at a party and you're talking to everybody every two seconds, you're really not talking to anybody. You're just saying hi. But if it's like a more intimate gathering or whatever, you can actually have quality time and build a conversation. Yeah, and figuring out real realizing that there are certain things that are just not made for you. Like I think that I feel like that happens a lot with trends and like brands trying to participate in trends, like. I have had people argue in my stories that it's a lot better for your brand to be, like, silent on social sometimes than to be, like, hyperactive. Because I think that, like, it's kind of considered, like, trying too hard to, like, market. Yeah, it's like whenever (laughs) – it's like – I'm trying to think of, like, like if you see, like, I don't know, like, a chicken brand who's, like, doing the, like, renegade or something, it's like – Ariana, what are you doing here? Why are you doing the renegade on TikTok? Like, can I say something controversial? Say yes. <laughs> I feel like, well, I even feel bad about this. Isn't that controversial? I wish I could give you something better than this, but I feel like before I saw the Barbie movie and loved it, I was literally like, because I saw so much advertisement, like so many advertisements for it and literally it was like taking over all of New York and just all of social media in general. I was like, guys, like we're going to see the movie. Like <laughs> w- I'm I'm personally I might be like plagiarizing this sentiment from a TikTok, but like I per- I agreed with that because I was like I personally like I was going to see it regardless because it was obviously just everything that it was, but 
I just think that there's a certain point where even if someone is like in love with a concept, the more that you tell them to do something, it kind of gets stale after a while. Well, I feel like also it's just with that example, I feel like that's a good example of like talking about like oversaturating and doing stuff. Because I feel like a lot that's like a trend that I feel like everybody and their grandma released a cloud with Barbie and even some that didn't make sense to me that were like CPG and like snack brands and stuff. I'm like, why are you here? But shoe ones, like the shoe ones and the toy ones and the makeup ones made sense because that's what Barbie, that's who Barbie is. But these other ones, like I felt were just like jumping on the collab and doing like adjacent type namings. I'm not going to name their brains that did it, but they know who they are. Um, who did adjacent type things to just be in on the know and build into the hype. But like you said, it's like, that doesn't make any sense for you to be doing that. Like just release a pink collection if you want to, but there's no need to be like, this is the Malibu girl on the go. Cl-. Like, no, we yeah. know what you're doing. You're you're creeping along um, infringement. What's the word? Like copy, not copy. Cop- yeah, is it? Is it yeah. Um, like uh, when uh, you when you have um, a patent. Yeah, you're you're dancing on that line. <laughs> Us avoiding the exact yeah. terminology. You're dancing on that, that line. line. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're doing. just uh, that line. Yeah, that one right there. I agree, and I feel like it just cheapens the brand, like the Barbie brand in general. When you're like, oh, okay, so now Barbie is just gonna like hang out with anyone yeah it's like oh i guess they just let anybody in yeah <laughs> exactly and uh, i know that you're you're have this elitist mentality so uh, you don't like letting everyone in not true. just kidding i'm just uh, trying to start drama uh, i told con i'm like anytime i want to start shit with someone in my life like i'm just gonna be lead to him instead <laughs> and i feel like you kind of do the same yeah it's like sometimes like Sometimes I'll just, like, say whatever. No, my new thing that I like to do also from a TikTok is they were like, what is it? It's saying something for the first time and being like, I've always said that. And you've never said it. Uh, It's been like, I've always said that. Yeah, wait, that's actually a great strategy to, like, have a leg up in any (laughs) argument. Like, because also, if someone is giving you an argument that they think or, like, a talking point that they think – is very unique and original. Like, being like, I've always said that, like, that's kind of just knocks them down a peg. Yeah, it brings them back to their humble beginnings where they belong. Yeah, but then we're like, if if someone did that to us, we'd be devastated. Yeah, and you're like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Um. Also, I don't know if you've heard, but there's this new thing where people are saying that uh, Instagram and a few others are, like, going down because it's, like, people just ghost-watching where they're not interacting or liking or anything. They're just, like, watching a story or being like, oh, well, I saw your, I saw you just got engaged. Cool. And it's like, okay, why didn't you comment or like it? There's, like, that. Do, whole... you, do you confront your friends like that? Oh, I do. I'll be like, they'll be like, oh, I saw you went to such and such. And I was like, that's funny. I don't remember getting a story reply uh- from you, Annabelle. <laughs> okay, but you're very extra about that because – I've, like, come back from trips, and you've been like, I just didn't see enough content. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been better. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, your content was a little sparse on that trip to London. I'm like, let's build a content strategy for this trip. Yeah. I need six to ten stories a day. (laughs) That's, I, where do you draw the line, though? Because you're, you're definitely the type of person, like, I think that you find joy in documenting your life online, but, like, 
you we went to that that activation the other week and we were in there for 10 seconds and then i check your story and there's a picture of it. there's there's a video of it i'm like I was how did you activation i'm like oh, yeah. i'm like how did you have time to do that oh i like for one of the like i always tell people like my instagram and my socials are fantasy like it's gonna i'm only gonna show you like the highlight reels like me and an event or me at a party and stuff like I'm not going to put on there like, oh hey guys, I had a had an anxiety attack, had to leave early. Like I'm always open about that if you talk to me, but I portray like online as a fantasy. So it's like I want to see blah 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 blah. Like that's the whole point. But I do think there are like I do have days where I'm like, oh I don't feel like posting and I won't post anything. But I also treat like my Instagram or whatever or my socials like a fantasy or somewhere where it's like oh, I want to be a place of healing or a place of whatever. So I'm going to post a lot of like quotes and things like that. But yeah. I feel like definitely like I try to be in the moment when I do stuff. Like if I go somewhere with friends or something, we'll all take usually like the first 10 minutes, do a quick content thing. And then like our phones are away pretty much for the rest of the day. And then we post like after we leave. Like I'm really big on posting like after you leave somewhere so you can first of all be in the moment and then also security like I have these weird like there's people will come and find you um but that's a whole nother thing that's not like a weird theory that's like very plausible but like <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of people are like why would you even think like that yes I watch a lot of Law and Order um SVU SVU uh, Organized Crime and the original so you're like SVU has taught me that if I want to post content I have to wait until after the event that's yeah, that's I, true and I've, I've had friends who people have like walked up on them because they posted where they were. So I've also just, yeah. That's this kind is taking of, a turn. But, okay, <laughs> but that's kind of like fan be Like, that's kind of cool. That's No, they didn't know this person. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, well, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> uh, maybe that's problematic, but that just means people care about you. Like, I just, I, you are the type to just show up when you check find my Oh, friends. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. Like, the other day, I saw where um, my friend was like, she's like, oh, I'm such and such wine bar with, like, uh, a few friends. And I was like, cool, I'm coming. I'm on my way. Didn't ask her. And she was like, oh, guys, I guess my friend's coming. Just shut up. But I feel like that's fine because it's like a secu- you, you've you given people, per- like, your certain friends permission. So it's like people like you or whomever, if they show up, it's not like your random fan. True. Yeah, we don't need our fans yeah. showing up where we, we are. We have a lot of fans. Yeah, that's that's just not going to be time efficient. It's too much. Yeah. But um, this idea, I feel like the idea of just seeing that a friend is close by and, like, popping in to say hi, as long as they're not, like, doing something that's, like, super – I don't know. I guess that could go wrong. But I'm just thinking about the day when – I was, like, telling you that I was around that night, but you literally just showed up because you had my location. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but, yeah, I feel like – but I feel like there's also, like, boundaries, too. Like, sometimes – which I think is really good that some friends, like, respect boundaries where it's like, hey, I actually want to be left alone tonight. Like, don't – whatever. And, like, you can only have to tell them once instead of people being like, no, you're always out. Or And sometimes people feel – because you share a lot online, sometimes people feel obligated to know – the ins and outs of, like, X, Y, and Z, but you owe nobody an explanation to whatever. Like, I feel like a lot of times with our favorite creators, because they share so much about their lives and relationships or whatever, we we feel entitled to knowing the ins and outs of their lives and things. And whenever they're like, oh, I'm not ready to talk about that right now, 
we feel like we're like, what? You can't do that. And that's okay. Like, you can decide what you want to share, whether you share a lot of your life online or not. Like, you can pick and choose whenever you feel like it. Yeah. And is that something that you've, like, the importance of boundaries, is that something you feel like you've learned, like, with age, like, over time? I, like, yeah. I mean, like, I also, yeah, I feel like growing up, I was like, oh, I don't want to post, like, too intimate stuff or, like, this and that because I know I've been, like, you're opening yourself up to criticism over vulnerable topics. Like, I've had friends who opened up about, like, extreme, like, live stuff, and they're, like, just put all out there on, like, Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat, and I'm like, that's cool. I'm glad you feel comfortable to do that, but, like, you maybe should backpedal because not everybody has your best interest, so it's just very important and very um, to think about, like, what you post, and sometimes, like, even if it's something harmless or whatever, like, you just should always be cognizant and be like, would I be okay for somebody to print this out and, like, announce it in a meeting or put it on a billboard in Times Square? I think I had a boss that used to say that. She's like, before you post a picture, would you be okay if, like, somebody printed this and made this a billboard on, like, Times Square? I feel like the classic example is, like, showing your grandma, but billboard on Times Square is, like, kind yeah. of a good one, yeah. too. Which is scary. Yeah. I think that with when it comes to boundaries, especially as a creator, I would think – you or just anyone in the public eye like there is this um expectation that you know fans like quote unquote like your fans make you famous so then that means that you owe your fans like a certain amount of content or a certain attitude all the time and I think that's really what's such a cause of burnout especially for creators who are like they're like yeah my job is my success is a product of my personality it's not a product of like me acting in this movie or like me mm. releasing this hit song um and it's just kind of like messed up because it's like you're just like my boss for example or anyone's boss who isn't a creator isn't the reason they're successful your fans aren't the reason you're successful you're the reason you're successful mm-hmm. and it's just um i think important to like give yourself that validation as well and be like i don't actually owe anyone anything in this life yeah, like, and also you brought up a good point, too, about burnout. Like, is there something you do to balance burnout or... Because, first of all, writing is a lot. And, you know, I feel like I did... I do one article and I'm like, ugh, I need a vacation. That yeah. Was a lot. Yeah, I think that it's definitely hard when your job is very much... It's, like, outward-facing. Like, everything I do is obviously public like all the stories that I write and sometimes I'm like I wish that I had this balance of like doing more work that isn't necessarily on display because I think it's less pressure but also just this idea of like having a creative career and being expected to work on something during certain hours and sometimes you're just not having a great day and like sometimes that mobilizes you but other times that makes you feel like you can't work um so I think I just, like, I'm ve- always very honest with myself. And I'm, like, just because I'm having a hard time with work, like, that doesn't invalidate my talent. That doesn't invalidate, like, how hardworking I am. And if anything, it's, like, a strength that I can recognize it. So really just being honest. I think that I was having a hard time recently and, like, was just not feeling as productive. And I, like, talked to my boss about it. And, like, she was – in like, I just think it's important – to bring up mental health at work and like literally just talking about not feeling great is going to make you feel better. Mm -hmm. Like I guarantee that. 
No, like, I'm one of those where it's like, I hate, like, being fake in a room where people are like, oh, we're all good. I'm like, no, we're not. Like, can we stop acting like we're okay and, like, talk about it? Like, I can't. <laughs> like, it drives me insane because I'm, I'm one of those where it's like, if you ask me, like, oh, how are you? I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to do the casual, like, oh, I'm fine, thanks. I'm going to be like, I am tired. I did not get any sleep. I need, I don't have inspiration to write or do X, Y, and Z. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, and it's just a disservice to, you know, yourself and, like, also to your employer to not be honest about that because it's not, you're not thinking about your long-term success. So I just think the more the more people – I also feel like every time I do something like that or talk about my mental health, it gives, like, other people an invitation to do so. Um, so I, I just love this idea of, of having this movement of, like, let's just be candid about how we're feeling. No, I agree because if you're not if you're not able to bring your as they say whole self to work, then like what you're missing out on like being productive or doing anything because you. But can't the function. the counterpoint to like the whole self to work thing is like, does work always deserve your full self? Oh, <laughs> like no, but no, but seriously, like not everyone should have access to all of you, like. I think that there are some things that you can reserve for yourself. Like this idea that I feel like there's a lot of like blurred lines. Obviously, everyone like talks about this to death, but like the blurred lines of like work and life because of COVID and like working from home and stuff, there aren't clear boundaries. And also in our fields, like because everything is very public, it can, I'm sure for you more, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a content creator, but like (gasps) more, more like for Colin, like, you're posting stuff as like part of your job and it's I feel like maybe it's it might be tough I don't know this is more of a question like having boundaries and being like okay this is for myself not for like my career development no yeah and it's like it's also being clear so I feel like a lot of times like people too will feel like they're entitled to having access to you or they'll just like be like okay post this do this and I'm like I need to look at that. Or, People say that? Yeah, they'll just, like, send or DM stuff, and they'll be like, yeah, here. And I'm like, first of all, hi. What is this? Can, and it's just, like, they feel entitled to it. Because, like, again, like, we're journalists, so we're front-facing, so they'll be like, oh, I have this thing, cover it. Or, hey. And they'll just, like, DM it or send stuff, and I'm just like, I don't owe you anything or, like, to do something just because... We're friendly to. I feel like that's also a boundary. Like a lot of times, like sources or whatever. Like because you're friends with them or whatever, they feel like entitled to your access or entitled to you doing whatever. And so they'll send be like, "Oh yeah, you'll figure it out." And it's like, no, I actually, don't have to do that. Yeah, you really don't have to do have to do anything, or you don't owe anyone anything. And I just I know that sounds like mildly obvious but it's really I think an important distinction to make with yourself of like someone I think that it's easy to be like oh I feel like this person has done this for me like professionally like I should get on this call with them or I should like quote them in this story and it's just I think tough to like break away from that sometimes no it is and to wrap us all up from our discussion um, what is advice you have for someone who's like, oh, Emmy, I want to be like you. I want to write. I want to do things. Like, what's the best way to kind of like bring them back 
to get in the field or get experience? Like, should they start blogging? Should they start content creating? Like, should they wait for somebody to tell them, like, what's the best thing to I feel like I feel like the best thing to do, well, it depends on what, like, stage of life you're in. But I feel like the best thing to do is, like, get involved in, like, a school paper just because it really teaches you the importance of deadlines, collaboration, um, just, like, getting comfortable talking to strangers and interviewing. And I think that, um, like, post-grad just or even like during college or if you're not like don't want to like commit to a school paper like reaching out to someone at like a local news publication and being like hey I'd love to shadow one of your reporters or you know like can I possibly write this story about even if it's like something about a local event that maybe one of their reporters like doesn't want to cover or doesn't have the bandwidth um I think just assuming like, when you're more more of a junior employer, like, when you're still a student, you assume that, like, no one ever wants to talk to you because you're like, oh, they're too busy. Like, they don't – they're not going to give me the time of day. I'm not, like, qualified for that. Um, but I think people actually really like talking about themselves. I mean, <laughs> like, low-key, I do. I feel like most people do. Um, I'm literally talking about myself right now. But I'm – but I'm – like, I think that's just human nature to want to, like – showcase your skills and your insights and like I think that you you should always you shouldn't assume that people aren't interested in helping you and actually assume that they are interested come on well Emmy thank you for coming today causing a little chaos you know a little bit you know. I feel like this was a little tame I think we have to redo yeah, it I mean I feel like it was <laughs> enough we can always bring you back are you gonna bring me back you kept know. you kept threatening <sighs> You kept threatening to kick me out, like, a few minutes before we started. These are allegations. All right. Well, consult your lawyer. And I guess we'll see. I'll see you back here, like, at some Some point point. in the foreseeable future. Yeah, 2026. Uh, Yeah, okay. Wow. How great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.